You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up here! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week do you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here.
On this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast, we've got Joe Condellis of the American Bear Foundation joining us for this discussion about what the association is up to, the threats about bear hunting across the country, and just recapping uh, where we're at. Virginia just has got a brand new American Bear Foundation chapter there. Sean Clarkson heads up the efforts there. There are other states that are being considered right now for a chapter, a local chapter, a grassroots effort to save and preserve and expand bear hunting and have a voice in uh, conservation issues and bear management plans. It's going to be a great episode. I just want to tell you that I'm honored to sit on the board of directors for the American Bear Foundation and uh, represent houndsmen. It's a real honor to be asked to do that. I'm going to be speaking at the American Bear Foundation Banquet in Cody, Wyoming on January 28th. You can find all the information on that over at the American American Bear Foundation website and get your tickets there. So it's going to be a great time in Cody, Wyoming. Hope you'll come out and join us and uh, participate in a great time and a great place with some great folks at the American Bear Foundation. If you're interested in a local chapter for your state if you do not have one reach out to me or reach out to joe condellis you can find all the contact information over well you know how to get a hold of me chris.houndsmanxp at gmail.com or you can get joe's contact information over at the american bear foundation.org this is an additional side note but it's very important new jersey is supposed to be having a bear season today However, the animal extremists are working overtime to take more of our freedoms away. The governor up there had signed an executive order and put into place the opportunity for New Jersey to have a bear season. What happened was is that the Humane Society and their friends found a federal judge who was sympathetic to their cause and filed for a stay on the bear season. It was all done in a very timely manner. They could have done this a month ago. It could have all been worked out by this time, but they know what they're doing. They know that by filing that petition this week, that for the legal action to take place and everything to go forward, there's no way that it can be worked out by December 5th. So from a legal standpoint, Bear hunters in New Jersey have been kicked in the teeth again by the animal extremists. When this republic was founded, that was never the intent for the use of the judicial system. This judge has put a stay on a bear season because of somebody's emotional outrage about hunting black bears. The voters of New Jersey elected their governor. He didn't operate outside of his authority. The wildlife managers that are responsible for managing wildlife in New Jersey had no problems with the bear season. The voters of New Jersey had no problems with the bear season. It's a very small group of people who have figured out how to manipulate the system and get their way by throwing tantrums and finding judges who are sympathetic to their cause. That's what it boils down to. I don't want to turn this into a sermon about this stuff, but folks, we got to wake up. It's time to wake up. 
That's why we feature guests like this on our podcast, to let you know that there are people out there fighting every day to preserve your freedoms. So my challenge to you is this. Are you in the fight? Are you supporting organizations who are putting boots on the ground, putting skin in the game to preserve your freedoms to free cast hounds? And I'm not talking about just your freedoms. We're talking about generational freedoms, grandkids, four generations down the line from you. Are they going to be able to hunt? I guarantee you that if you do nothing, they will not. It's time to step up. It's time to get in this game. It's time to get in the fight. It's time to put some skin in the game. We get 20,000 people a week listening to this podcast. Can you imagine the effect that we could have, the impact that we could have if every listener would get involved in their state organization with the Sportsman's Alliance, with, with other pro-hunting organizations, and we all stand together and we say enough's enough. It can be done, folks. The American Bear Foundation is an organization that can do that, can help us accomplish our goals, and it's a great cause. So that's enough for me. The Old South Dog Box is rocking. Let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. Briar Creek Kennels is your complete hound hunting outfitter. Boots, lights, collars, and tracking equipment. Dog boxes, kennel supplies, collars, clothes, squalors. Whew, they have it all. Briar Creek Kennel is a garment and dog tree dealer. Owner Chris Girth will ensure Briar Creek Kennel customers will get top-of-the-industry customer service. Whether you purchase from their website or you find them at a major coonhound event, Chris and his staff will share expert knowledge and experience about every product they offer. Chris Girth is a top competitor and breeder of hounds. He knows what gear you need to be successful. Look for Briar Creek Kennels on the web for a complete online store or look at their fully stocked trailer at any major coonhound event. Briar Creek Kennels, offering a hound hunting public generations of excellence. Yep. So, yeah, I think we were talking about, uh, Joe, you are, you're, you're in Cody, Wyoming. There's a rodeo there every night. And, um, but we're going to talk because we're actually going to talk about your beer distributorship. No, we're going we're going to talk about Joe. Uh, we're going to talk I about Joe Condellis in the American American Bear Foundation. Yeah, I could talk about beer for a really long time too. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd like I've to been, have that conversation. I've been doing this. This is my twenty fifth year in the beer business. I started when I was just about seventeen. Yeah, it's all I've ever done. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's crazy to think. I'm forty two, but I started really young at a wholesaler doing just about anything they'd let me do. And I was about my, my, my summer where I turned 17 and then just through college and, and high school and stayed there and graduated college and just stayed in the business. And I, I've been in it ever since. Was the legal drinking age even, was it 21 at the time that you got into it? Yeah, it was still 21. Yeah, I couldn't drink. So it was funny, you know, and, and don't don't put this out there, but I used to love going on the trucks with the guys when I was in college and and, and because I was unable to drink, 
I, uh, I would go out with those guys on the trucks and deliver. And then it was like every night I'd go out to those bars I delivered in and I'd always get served. Cause they'd be like, Oh, he's a beer guy. It's Hey, we're already recording, dude. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Where, yeah, I hit the. I don't. I don't mess around. I mash the record button because okay this is the kind of stuff. I didn't say names or anywhere I was. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that you can't recapture inside of a recording. I'm telling you. That's right. Oh, that's that's awesome. That's so funny. No, Joe, man, I'll tell you what. Um, the reason we're talking to you, people have heard you on the podcast before, but I thought we got to get an update on what's going on with the American bear foundation and, and you guys have actually gone, I guess I can say we now, cause I'm on the board of directors. You are now, you are now guilty by proxy. You, you are on the board <laughs> of directors. So it is we now. <laughs> it is. I got to be careful, <laughs> but it went from the Western bear foundation to the American bear foundation. So that's big news. What, what caused you to, to, you know, revamp and and look at that and go that direction yeah i think it, it was it was kind of something that when we when we when we called ourselves western bear foundation we almost you know for me i always i always thought that we could go national but um i i never really thought it would happen as fast and so western kind of was like yeah we're gonna work in the western part of the united states the rockies and that stuff where where i'm kind of from and grew up and but I always thought like, you know, if we had to expand, we could still stay the Western bear foundation. Cause you know, Rocky mountain elk foundation, they do stuff all over, but they're still the Rocky yeah. mountain elk foundation, but that's also the name of an elk species. It, it came yeah. to be the point where it was like, all right, we've got some really good legs, um, in the Eastern part of the United States. And we were seeing some like, I wouldn't say pushback, but people maybe didn't buy into us. Yeah, we, you know, why we we were kind of working on the an idea of a chapter maybe was Sean Clarkson in Virginia, and yeah. that whole thing was like we don't have bylaws. We we weren't set up for that initially, and so all our articles and our bylaws were not set up to have chapters. And so we knew we were going to have to go in and change all that. And, and why we were doing that, we just decided as a board and a group, like maybe this is time, if we're going to have a chapter on the Eastern seaboard, maybe it's time to change our name. And so I, I wanted something very all encompassing, but I also kind of wanted to keep it very easy and, and, you know, kind of the Western bear foundation, the American bear foundation. So kind of keep it simple not too crazy we thought of every name and iteration we could, but at least this way, it kind of res it, it, it comes back to the Western bear foundation a lot easier than you changing bet. it entirely. So. Yeah. Ursus Americana foundation just doesn't have a ring. To no it. people, you know, even bear hunters, half of them, <laughs> a lot of them might not even know what Ursus Americanus is. So. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm, I'm going to be totally shameless here. I told you this, two years ago when we recorded a podcast is like, man, you're these Eastern guys. I think there's an opportunity here for you. And, and we can, we can, ex, you could expand and, and different stuff like that. And so when you guys changed and I saw that Virginia chapter pop up with Sean Clarkson and those guys, I was like, Hey, we're going places. This is awesome. 
Yes, and you were one of the guys that was really good about like hey, man. Uh, was, that was totally that was totally self-serving. But you, I don't take any credit at all. You were one of them that mentioned to me, you know, like I, I would say, like guys out in the West and people out here, you know, we forget sometimes. You know, when we think of ourselves as as deer and elk, and we're like, oh, we got all this stuff, but. When you start thinking of bears, you get in your little world and you're like, we're the only ones that got bears. And you start looking outside and you're like, we don't even have bear populations compared to what's in the west of the in the eastern seaboard of the United States. And we're Virginia, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, New Jersey, all those places. It's like, man, like we think we're in a little bubble here where we're the only ones that have it. So there was a lot of people that were like, hey, man, like we we're out here, too. And then I started seeing some stuff working with Sean where it was really in our wheelhouses. The infrastructure for conflict mitigation has not been built out on the east side of the United States like we are here. So I was like, you know, we have all these um, we have all these like practices that we do for conflict mitigation and and things that we're doing out here that would really resonate out on the eastern side of the United States that are maybe not quite in place yet because bear numbers are exploding in certain areas where they're like, Hey, we don't know how to deal with garbage bears or egg bears or, you know, bears and chicken coops and stuff like that. And I'm like, Hey, we have a lot of these things that we're dealing with here. Maybe we can help out out there. And that's kind of how it all got started. Man, I'll tell you what, that's crazy too. And, and getting back to what you said, you mentioned stuff in the Northeast and those poor guys up there. I mean, they've been in a fight for their lives, you know, for the future of bear hunting for, for decades and we forget about them i even forget about them being in indiana when somebody starts talking about vermont bear i'm just like oh yeah you know and it's it's just something that's an afterthought but it's crazy to think that you know what the western expansion deal they've been they've been dealing with pig pen raiding bears in the eastern united states since the settlers settled the Appalachia region and and yet we've we've lost our focus and we it's just it's it's amazing to me the the transition that it what we're doing with grizzly bear and and bear mitigation in the west has come back to the east yeah and i think you hit it right on the head there i think why there wasn't such a push for a very long time in the east was because it was black bears and we very quickly decided that we're going to have a grizzly bear problem out west and that really forced our hand because i think human beings were were okay dealing with black bears to a certain extent but grizzly bears are a whole different beast and a lot of the conflict mitigation and tools that we use now for black bears are just because we learned it from using them for grizzly bears yeah those grizzly bears that's a that's a whole different dynamic that that people in the eastern u.s uh you know i don't think we fully comprehend what's going on on grizzly bear mitigation and those conflicts let's get in i want to for for people that are just catching up the new american bear foundation let's let's break down what the organization is and talk about the work that you have done in the west and how you're expanding it to the east and what values we can bring to bear management on a national scale. So let's start with start with some brief history on the American Bear Foundation, and um, we'll just roll off of that. What do you think? Yeah, buddy. So uh, 
essentially we started out, we've been through three name changes now. I, I said, I'm done after. This is my last one. I can't take it anymore. The paperwork required right. to change names. But um, started in 2007 and kind of just was focused on this this greater Yellowstone ecosystem for, for a few years around Montana, Idaho, Wyoming. Uh, went through our first name change to Western Bear Foundation. believe that was in... I couldn't even tell you the dates, but we had that for a few years. And, and that's where we really started kind of realizing like, hey, this could be a thing. This idea and this model that we're building out could work uh, in a lot of different states. And we kind of were just going to focus on the West. And so we were the Western Bear Foundation up until um, <coughs> early this year where we became the American Bear Foundation. And we're, we're now accepting chapters and, and building out the organization a little differently than we had planned we're all volunteers, so no one gets paid, which is a big piece of what we do, and, and it's important to us right now to keep it that way. Because of that, we need strong allies on the ground. We need people in states and regions that can that can really advocate for the foundation and, and be the eyes and ears and the, you know, the voice of the foundation. And so that's why we decided to do chapters. And I tell you, the growth that we've seen uh, in the last five to six years has been so rapid that it's been really, uh, it's been awesome, but also uh, overwhelming at times because there's no matter how much money we have, you could spend it all on conflict mitigation or hunter advocacy. There's just so much that needs to be done. Uh, research, uh, science, uh, biology, all that stuff surrounding bears that is just not getting done. And I feel like we're filling that void, but I mean, it is it is a lot more to be done, and and it's really cool to be like the group in the United States that's focused solely on bears in the United States, and and not just the bear conservation side, but also the hunting piece, and and really advocating for expanding hunter opportunity, um, and trying to keep hunting opportunity for bears in areas where it's at risk, and. And as you guys all know that are listening and, and, and you, Chris, like we are up against it. The last few years have been pretty alarming um, and it ain't going to get any easier. So, you know, I think it's an important thing to have us out there and, and able to rally troops where we can and do our best, do our best to try and make sure we don't lose any anything going forward. Oh, yeah. And don't let the name I mean. The thing, the thing that has drawn me to the American Bear Foundation is that it is made up of hunters and it is a true management conservation organization. It's, it's not a deal where the term conservation has been hijacked by a, a group that wants to preserve a preservation, an anti-hunting group uh, that, that is trying to eliminate hunting. The American Bear Foundation adheres to the North American model for wildlife conservation. Uh, you know, we're looking at ways to mitigate bear conflicts and, but also adding to the discussion about wildlife management, science-based conservation. You know, this is a real organization that's not just giving lip service to 
you know, the, the, the term conservation and cashing in, trying to, trying to keep people from, from hunting bears. This is a hunting, this is a, an organization that promotes hunting as a, as a real tool for wildlife management. Wouldn't you agree with that? I absolutely would. And, and you see that a lot where people are using conservation just uh, so loosely and, and they really should be called preservation organizations. And we, we are so, so um, the, the science-based conservation and using science as a tool to dictate our kind of uh, direction is very important to us. And, and if you look at our board and who sits on our board, you know, we have, we have wildlife managers that are currently uh, employed by state agencies. We have people that work with bears on a daily basis that can help influence our decisions. So we don't have just a bunch of hunters. Um, We don't have just a bunch of scientists. We have a good mix of everyone. And then on top of that, we're developing and, and we have some very big names uh, that are sitting on our science advisory council. So we have a whole science advisory team right now where all the people on that team manage or have managed are influential in the the science behind bears and bear management. So, you know, when we can, we have an issue that comes up in a state, we can go to these best names in the industry when it comes to bear management and ask them and they can help dictate it it's not some guy that's sitting there making decisions loosely based on what he feels is right and so i think we offer something that a lot of orgs aren't offering especially in the large carnivore space like we're doing everything we can to make sure we're making sound decisions for hunters and for bears i think that's that's an that's so credible in the space you know i think what i've what i've noticed and um what i've what i've gleaned from watching the way you move through the through the industry here is is one of those deals where you're trying to build a team that is credible that can be objective and and address issues on a wide scale it's not pigeonholed to hey we want to hunt we want to hunt more so let's try to figure out a strategic way that we can convince wildlife managers that we need to expand bear seasons. It's it's been objective. It's been, you know, I don't know if you're. Do you feel comfortable with running through the board and and kind of a breakdown of who those people are? Yeah, so yeah. That, I think I'm I'm great with it because it really lends to our credibility. I think when when you yeah, look at who's on the board, so. you know, it's 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 basically you're on there now. And everyone listening to the show knows your background. I mean, you're a huge asset to the board because of your experience. And it's important for us to have a houndsman on our board, an active houndsman on our board. And and we hadn't had that in the past. And it was something that we were trying to fill. But we want someone that's an advocate for hound hunting and the use of dogs because we believe in the use of dogs for hunting bears. Um, We've got... uh, Well, let me just qualify that because there's there's a lot of bear hunters out there and hound hunters... You know, I'm I'm I am honored to be able to go and hunt bears with the dogs that I have. But when you stack me up against some of the legendary bear hunters uh, out there, I'm not that guy. You know, I'm just a guy that loves to keep dogs and go and participate. I get to hunt with great bear hunters every year. And uh, but with the platform of Houndsman XP, I want to be that guy that that promotes that hunting practice and make sure it's not lost 
in the sauce. So I'm just operating on behalf of all the great bear hounds, hound hunters out there that uh, allow me to do this. So well, and that's the thing. Yeah, you can ahead. you can advocate for them on this board, and that's important to have. And you know, we got we got a guy that's a fireman, but he's just a hardcore hunter. And you know, so we have that total opposite. We've got. We've got a couple of guy, another guy that helped me start this, and, and he's a wildlife conservation officer in Montana. Then we got uh, the large carnivore director in Wyoming. Um, he's on our board. So all he does is deal with large carnivores. And uh, we've got another biologist in the state of Idaho. She's a large carnivore biologist. And so we, 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 we spread it out between myself. I have no background in science, biology. I went to college for business. So I realized right away, like, I can't make informed decisions on certain science issues because I'm not a biologist, I'm not a scientist, and what I might feel is right could very much be wrong for for hunting and for science or the conservation of bears, the sustainability of hunting. And so realized pretty early that I got to surround myself with good, smart people that can help me make decisions that are not, you know, it got pretty hard there for a while when the board prior to this board was was kind of inactive and, and I was making decisions on my own and I just I didn't like that because I thought at some point I'm going to be biased on some of these decisions and so having a good board was was extremely important to me and well I think that we've been we've been, we've been spending a lot of time here lately um talking about leadership and self-improvement and working on ourselves and 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 that that is such a valuable thing uh in a leadership position of realizing what your strengths and what your weaknesses are and then augmenting your weaknesses and surrounding yourselves with the right people you know it's um it, when you look when you look at the some of the leadership material out there and i'm, I'm going to derail this a little bit but uh, you look at Collins, he wrote a book called Good to Great, and it talks about having the right people in the right bus and the right seats, and you know you can go on and on with that. So I think it's, it's not only a good, your business background has, has taught you that, man, I don't need to be everything to everybody. I just need to, to put the right people in those seats that can help me accomplish my mission. And when I look at the board of directors, with with wildlife professionals across the board it's it's awesome and and that's what we've we've tried to do here at houndsman xp we've got wildlife biologists we've got usda employees we've got professional trainers you know all those sort of stuff all the roles that i've got the vision but i can't fill all the roles so i'm going to find people to plug in that can fill the roles and help us be successful that's that's it's good move, it, it's man. something I learned a long time ago is you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. And so I always try and find someone that's better or someone that's smarter and like surround myself around those people. And it was the same with this board, like respectable people that know more than I do. Like I'm so happy to not have all the answers. <laughs> I love to be able to call someone you or another board member and be like hey can you help i like i don't know what to do with this like that's the most important thing and it's not it's it, it was something early on that we decided like i don't want me to be the focus and the front guy of the foundation i want the foundation to be the foundation first and then all of us little uh dudes in the back and and people in the back kind of like 
driving it, but like no one person should be the, the face of the foundation. Like we need to have a collective effort with the board and myself and our volunteers. And that's what drives the foundation. I've seen it too often where people are using the platform of a nonprofit or a business to create some sort of like, um, status for themselves, like an influencer status or trying to gain, trying to gain from their position in the nonprofit and, or in a business. And I didn't want that. Like the, the priority is the foundation and our goals and our platforms and that's it. And that's why we don't have any paid status paid employees. I'll tell you what, man, you talked about finding people and, and, they were smarter than you and, and surrounding you. That's been the easiest part for me, uh, in Houndsman XP. I, there are a lot of people out there. It's easy for me to find people that are smarter than me. And there are, it's easy for me to find people that are better hunters than me. And all I've got to do is showcase them and bring them yep. out and, you know, tell their story and, and let them do their thing. And so it's not been a hard job as a host of a, a podcast to find people that are smarter than me. It's a, it's a good sure. thing. Like you guys are doing the right thing. And that's, that's so important. I think for the growth of us and, and for us to be sustainable and kind of reach our goals, which are, are pretty big, you know, we want to, we want to be, a huge foundation that that is doing a lot of work across the United States and we're going to get there. But I think in 10 or 15 years, we're going to look back at the steps we're making now and think that, you know, we did the right thing and, and, you know, albeit hard and, and frustrating at times because sometimes you don't grow as fast as you want. I think we've really grown, um, you know, kind of rapidly the last few years, but in grand, in the, grand scheme of things it's been a really slow methodical growth and we're trying to do things right when we do it you know this whole chapter thing like i i wanted to have like 10 chapters by now and we just started and it's like i realized in a hurry how long that takes and i'm like okay we got to take a step Mm -hmm. back and you know like do this right and get one going and then work on another one and so you know it's going to take some time but you know, with us being all volunteer and, and everyone having jobs and doing other things, you know, that's, that's kind of the world we live in. And and that's okay. You know, we're all in it for the right reasons. Cause we're not paid. Well, let's, let's break it down a little bit on the, on the state chapter thing, because I think that is the next move. I think that's going to be uh, very beneficial to bear hunters across the board, whether you're, you know, hunting bears in Pennsylvania, where there are, you know, hounds are not permitted or you're chasing bears and catching bears in Virginia or the Carolinas. So let's, let's break that down. I want to talk about, okay, so you've got, we've got actually one chartered chapter right now, one state chapter, and that's Virginia. Yep. Yep. One. So let's talk about the, let's talk about the, the, the benefits that we're seeing there. Um, and, and what that chapter is actually doing for Virginia bear hunters at this point. Yeah, those guys. And, and I, I, I talked to Sean a lot about this. I said, what you guys are doing and just how he built that chapter out. I said, you are going to be the gold standard for the rest of our chapters. That's a lot of pressure. But I said, he did everything right by the book, legal, all the paperwork, all that stuff done. And it took some time. But what he put together was an amazing board. And, and so basically our chapters are going to be, they're going to be organized under our 501c3, but they're kind of an autonomous organization and they, they have a board and they have their own kind of goals 
and ideals of what they want to see done. And they have to line up with the national org, right? But it's pretty simple to do. Um, one of the main reasons that Virginia was such a big deal for us was because at the time our board was comprised of all people that lived or, 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 you know, kind of managed bears in the West. And so mm -hmm. it's really hard for us as a national organization with everyone out here in the West to say what we think should be done in Virginia when we really don't have any idea what's going on in Virginia, you know, we can read, right. we can talk to people, but what what the Virginia chapter can do now and what they are doing is recognizing things that need to be addressed in Virginia because they live there and they're addressing those things um, as a strong organization with the national backing. And, you know, just some of the stuff with the, 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 the hound chase and the recovery and, and dealing with mange and doing, there's a lot right. of things all at once happening in Virginia. It's very, they're, they're doing their, um, their management plan right now. And so there's just so much stuff that having a chapter there right now is so beneficial to bear hunters and, and, and to bears. Like they're not just looking at what can be done to, to, you know, maybe increase opportunity for bear hunting. They're looking at what's best for the bear and what, what can be done to help ensure a future for bears. Because right now this main stuff's a mess. Uh, it's a big deal. And, you know, I, I will say it that I don't think the department really has an idea how to handle it. And I think we're there to try and help offer some <laughs> uh, support. And we have a science advisory team that's pretty smart too, that can, that can lend some support. So I, I think what you're going to see with these chapters is they're going to take leads on issues. They're all going to be different. California is going to be different than Washington and Washington's going to be different than Virginia but having a chapter there with people that live in that state and deal with it on a daily basis, it's going to be huge. Somebody that's got their eye on the ball, you know, that, that is what I see the most benefit from. I've seen it. I mean, we've got a Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation chapter in the state of Indiana. Yeah. We don't have an elk. We don't have an elk here. <laughs> there, there aren't any elk in Indiana, Yeah, but there are people who have a deep interest in the elk that are willing to support the organization. And when, when we have bear hunters in the state of Indiana that we don't have any bear either. We might, we have one that was trespassing for a few years and everybody like taking Facebook videos and posting it and stuff like that. But we have no population, reproductive population of black bear in the state of Indiana. <clears throat> so just having people with their eye on the ball in these hot spots, locations is huge that that can plug themselves in and and it's hard to do when you're in cody wyoming and trying to stay in touch with what's going on with a virginia bear yeah and i i recognize that right away that like look we can't dictate and we can't recommend things for states when we're not there and and yeah we have members in them but you know it's like we got members all across the united states canada and stuff but when you just have members in each area and you're not organized, it doesn't do you any good. And so by setting up a chapter of members that are organized uh, on one common goal, like it really moves the needle. Like we are going to ruffle some feathers out there and we're going to be that, that is going to be a huge, strong organization in Virginia. They're already making waves and, and I couldn't be prouder of, of what they've accomplished and, and just having people to take the reins and be like, 
we got your backing. We're going to get this done. And it's like, oh my gosh, like now I don't lose sleep over I'm not doing enough in that state because, or we're not doing enough in that state because we just can't be there. So we, we get rid of that. Now we have focus on that state. That's more than the national could have ever done. So, all right. So we've talked about Virginia. That's an established, they are making waves in the state of Virginia. The thing that I've seen Sean doing, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's really moving through that people in, the policymakers for black bears in the state of Virginia know who the American bear foundation is. And you're right. I've, I've watched it. I've talked to Sean several times and he's got it. He's got American bear foundation right there in the center of it. So what are the future plans for the foundation moving forward? I know we just, I don't know what you're ready to release and what you're not ready to release. So I'm just going to kick it over to you. Yeah, so um, California is going to be uh, days away, month maybe a month away from officially being chartered. Um, that's a big one for us, too. Uh, obviously, we have a lot of issues in California. There's a, a lot more that could be done in that state, and having a bunch of bear hunters out there focused on one, one goal under one banner is going to be huge. Washington's kind of really close, so we tried to pick areas where I think – benefits the most first you know Cal washington you walked in you walked in hey you walked into the bar and chose the biggest guy in the bar to pick a fight with yeah what you did i figured hell you know if we're gonna do this we might as well do it and let's get into it man let's uh and and you know what that's where we're needed right now obviously everywhere but Washington's a disaster. I can't even what's going on in that is re reprehensible. Um, the, the, this complete lack of the, the science and, and it's all done on emotion and they've sabotaged the commission up there. And it, it's really actually pretty scary what's going on. And it ain't going to stop with their spring bear season. I can tell you that. Um, and so that's kind of building these chapters out. Um, Fundraising's big. We have a banquet coming up in January in Cody, Wyoming. It's uh, January 28th. And so that's. Hey, let's, I want, hey, I'm glad you brought that up. I want to make sure that we spend like the last 15 minutes yeah. and talk about that banquet. For sure. Um, yeah. Cause I think that's going to be huge. I love to see that. I'm planning on being there and uh, let's. Uh, we'll but, talk about but, that for sure. Um, yeah. On, on, an, on kind of like some of the conservation stuff and science stuff and, and, and hunter advocacy. We've, we've really done a lot in Wyoming this year. Myself, I met with large carnivore team multiple times and we're, we're, we're working on our three year season setting here. And so, um, we, we were able to get some changes done that we really wanted to see. So I'm really excited about that. And then, you know, building out some more studies, uh, we had this large black bear study in Wyoming that we were able to get done, which we funded a big portion of it with the University of Wyoming. We have a grad student working on all the data, and um, that's kind of slowly wrapping up. We, we don't have any of the results yet. They're, they're, it's a ton. I mean, we're doing hair samples off of the, um, off the collar data and stuff. And so, but because of that study, we, we actually have probably the same thing going to happen in Montana. So I'm in the beginning stages of working with someone in Montana on building that out. So really excited, like seeing the first like large scale study for black bears being done in, in Wyoming in a lot of years and 
and seeing how cool this study was, like what we're doing with it. And then other states are jumping on. And so I think we're going to see some really good stuff there spread out through the West. So um, that's a big piece. And then, you know, in Virginia, we've already committed $10,000 uh, of money to work on black bear management, whether it be mange or collar studies or any of that. And so, I mean, that's a huge commitment no one else is bringing to the table. And so absolutely, we're going to continue doing that stuff. And, and, you know, each state that we get on board or if we got people in a certain state that really want to see something get done, like we're all about it. That's, that's what we're here for. And so aside from writing letters to senators and commissioners and all that, we're doing a lot of other cool things on the ground for bears because we want to see sustainable populations for everyone to enjoy. And, uh, you know, whether it's conflict mitigation or science and research, we want to have bears on the landscape. We've, we've spent a lot of time since the beginning of this podcast. I got a bunch of bear dogs out there right now lighting up. You can probably hear them, but, uh, well, they're, they're dogs that are supposed to be bear dogs, <laughs> um, <clears throat> bunch of hounds. But anyway, hey, we, we've spent a lot of time since the inception of this podcast talking about how to gain influence and how to do things and, and different things. There's nothing that can, can replace that personal relationship with the professional wildlife managers. Um, now, when you're talking about legislators, the number one thing is finances, uh, money, and the American bear foundation has stepped up and said, Hey, we're, we're given $10,000 to study what is going on with mange. How's that? How is that going with, with the state of Virginia? It's going. Um, I, I will say that, uh, we just officially released, uh, Sean released a letter in that chapter, released a letter of basically notifying, uh, everyone in the department and everyone that is anyone that, Hey, we're here and this is what we're offering up. And, you know, we haven't, there's been some, uh, there's been some hurdles as far as like getting this money, uh, committed to actual studies and stuff. And so right now with this management plan and everything going on, you know, we didn't get asked to be on the management, uh, plan team, which, that's a whole nother story, but, um, yeah, so we're basically waiting for them to say, yeah, give us, give us the money and let's get to rocking on this. We've got, I mean, they've already built out the studies and everything and we're ready to go, you know? And so each state's got its different politics and hurdles and stuff. We're dealing with it a little bit there, but I will say like, if something doesn't get done, it's not going to be because of us. We're ready and willing and able. Well, how, how, did the American bear foundation not get included when you're bringing money to the table and you're making a <laughs> clear investment? Yeah, uh, how did, how did, how did we not get involved in that? There that are certain groups that are very threatened by us. Um, because I think they think we're going to target their way of life or their hobbies or, um, you know, their hunting method. And, and we're so far from that, but, um, there's some very influential groups out there that are not very big but they have a lot of influence with people inside the department and inside the, uh, I, I don't even know if, if it goes all the way to the legislative, but that, that's kind of what happened. And we got, I we, hear it goes to, it goes, it goes all the way to the governor's office. Yeah. We got, we got hometown pretty much, <laughs> I think is what you yeah. call it. Um, which is, right. 
you know, frustrating, very frustrating because we, we got a, we got a great team backing those guys, but uh, we also are the ones that let's, let's go ahead. Yeah. So so I'm just saying, let's, let's break that down and I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus here, but we talked about, I just said it. There's nothing that can replace that personal relationship and we could call it hometown, but that personal relationship that we can develop goes so far when, when legislators and government officials know your name, they know your face, they know your message. That's huge. And they know that you can, you can provide influence there. It's, it's huge. And so it, it's, I think it's valuable for us to look at what's happening there and use it as a, a learning teaching example of what can actually be done because here's American bear foundation coming. I mean, uh, and I don't mean this as a slight, it's, it's a new thing. Yep. And we are, since it's new, it's like, okay, what's this thing? Let's take some time and, and see if they're for real, see if they're genuine, see if they're trying to undermine us, you know, things like that. And then you've got the other organizations that have spent decades developing these relationships that are mistrusting. Yep. It's just a natural thing. And it is totally so, understandable. And I think when we, we formed the chapter and stuff, we were just kind of like, you know, maybe a year behind the process of all this forming of the management uh, committee and stuff. And, you know, we, we tried to get on and we're not, and th- and that's fine. Um, and like you said, we're a new thing. And, and I've dealt with this a lot, like trying to come sure. to agencies or carnivore managers or uh, sitting with the commissioner and like trying to talk to them about things. And they're like, look, I've never heard of you. And it's like, okay, I know, I understand that, but this is what we want to do. And they're like, you know, I'm not so much, I'm not sure I can trust, or I know if you got any staying power. And we probably have dealt with that more, you know, uh, not so much recently, but over the last four or five years where it's like, Hey, okay, I get it. We got to show and we got to keep bugging and keep going to them and saying like, Hey, we're not going anywhere. And I understand why we didn't get the, you know, it took a long time to get the Wyoming black bear study done because I don't know if anyone really believed in us yet. And then after so many years, it's like, I mean, these guys are here to stay and they're, we got great relationships and that's happening everywhere. But, you know, I think that's what happened in Virginia, you know, being new and not a lot of people knew what we were. And they're like, "Eh, I don't know if we want to let these outsiders in. We were still the Western bear foundation then. So it was hard and, and and it makes sense. The whole landscape in politics now is is just, uh, and it's always been there. I shouldn't say now. It's always been that way. You know, it's like, okay, is this a Trojan horse? Is this, you know, what are we doing here exactly? And it takes time to build trust and to understand that that we're all on the same page and we're all on the same team. And and it just takes time. And it's it's expected you know, if, if you run into roadblocks, that's a good thing. You learn from it and, uh, you, you, you go back to the drawing board and you, you, you retool and, and you look and see, okay, how can we, how can we improve? How can we gain credibility? That's a, that's not a bad thing though. No, it's not. And and, and I tell you what, some of what I'm doing now and what we're doing now is because I've stepped on my lip before, you know, and I've learned the hard way, like, 
I don't know how to run a nonprofit or, or help manage a board or, or, you know, and, and this, this, this space is very unique and very interesting to navigate. And, you know, coming from a for-profit business side to this, and there's been groups out there for, you know, generations before us, it's been a big learning curve and we're still there. And like, we're okay with kind of like dealing with that for a while. And it's like, you know, we'll show you by our actions and we'll keep doing our thing and you'll eventually come around and you'll see like we're in it for the right reasons. And, and other organizations will too, like we'll work with anybody uh, it, to an extent. I'm not going to work with uh, defenders, uh, uh, you know, or, or right. Sierra club. We're not going to do that. But like, if you're if center you, for biological yeah, diversity, Western watersheds, if, if you're yeah. like, if you have the same values and, and beliefs and goals as a, as a, as an organization, like, we do a lot of letter writing for stuff that pertains to that doesn't pertain to bears at all, but we're there to support other orgs and they're there to support us. We're, we're trying to get a bill passed right now in Wyoming. That's very important. Uh, I think, and, and it's very important for the optics of bear hunting, um, especially going through what we're going to go through is we're, we're trying to get, it's, it's pretty archaic, but in the state of Wyoming, you do not have to remove your carcass from the field on a bear. On a bear. Yeah, yeah. Or a bear or a cat. You can leave it on the ground. And it just is not a good image for bear hunters or, or mountain lion hunters when, you know, and there's some hunters that are going to disagree with us, but we're trying to get that changed to where you got to at least take it out of the field. And, you know, we reached out to a lot of groups to sign on. And I was, I've been so impressed with the amount of organizations that have been like, you guys have always been there for us. We're a hundred percent behind this. And we got some big groups that are signing on to this. And, and that's what it's all about, right? Like the greater good of hunting and, and wildlife, not each group's little specific, Hey, we want to be the only ones doing this. It's like, we can both do it. We can both be out there for the same cause. And maybe we can lean on each other. Like you have more history and more experience than we do, but maybe we have more money or more influence than you do. Let's work together. And that's what it should be about. Right. I think that's a valuable talking point and lesson, you know, when as houndsmen, we are the, the, the people that have the least amount of influence or we have been in the last couple decades, few decades. So, we have to realize if you're a leader of a state organization, you've got to be willing to step out there and support things that are totally out of your wheelhouse. If you want to have that political clout and that political credibility down the road. And I think you brought up a key point there, you know, the investments you made in Wyoming have, have garnered support from people that have, that could be border edge, borderline uh, stakeholders in the issue that you're talking about. But they're like, okay, you've supported us on these things. We're going to support you in this. Let's, let's roll, let's roll it out and see what happens. We're going to, we're there with you. You've been there for us. We're there for you now. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's so important. And I see that a lot. Like, you know, and I've, I've told a lot of these guys and, and, and people that are running these other orgs that are looking for support from us. And I'm like, you know, there'll be a time because it seems like so often in the last, I wouldn't say last year, but the years before last year and the year before that, like bear hunting, at least in the West was pretty 
secure. You know, we weren't seeing a lot of, uh, we weren't seeing a lot of threats and, and, you know, bears being bears, everyone's like, you know, it's that old adage. If, if, you know, if they're not a resource concern, no one's going to do anything, you know, for or against it. And black bears aren't a resource concern. So it's like, yeah, what do you, we don't care. And so we weren't seeing a lot of stuff come up with bears, but I would see, oh, we want to do this for a migration corridor. We want to do this for trout streams. We want to do this for that and this for that. And they're all asking us to sign on. And as long as we as a group kind of agreed upon it, we'd sign on. And I'm like, this has nothing to do with bears. This has nothing to do with bear hunting. But you know what? We're an organization that can lend some some support and we're going to do it knowing that one day I'm going to maybe need that from, from them. And, you know, this one was a pretty easy one. They were just like, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't deal with elk. It doesn't deal with sheep. It doesn't deal with deer, but we're signing on because we think it makes sense. And, and you have always been there for us. And that's so important in the space. And I get so frustrated because we're always fighting over the same money as nonprofits. And, and I get that it gets pretty competitive, but at the end of the day, we're all trying to do the same thing for the most part. And so, it's okay to be competitive when it comes to that, but when it comes time to support each other for the greater good, I think we need to do a better job of that. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those deals that tribalism is one of the most detrimental things to our cause to preserve our lifestyle as hunters. I want to I want to remove. I'm a hound hunter. I'm a spot and stalk hunter. I'm an elk hunter. I'm a deer hunter. You're a hunter. Yep. And the same things that keep you going to the field day after day, that light your fire, that get you out there, are the same things that ignite my fire. And and we pigeonhole ourselves and we compete for the money and we compete. But at the end of the day, we've got to come around the council fire and realize that we're the only people that are going to help us, you know, all of us together, a, a concerted effort that can, can really move the ball and make a difference. It's, in, it's an important message. And if that means that you've got to get involved in, you know, a catch and release policy on such and such stream for release trout, then if it's not going to hurt your cause, get involved and make those political end rows and build that credibility and put that those credits in the bank for your organization. I can't, I can't stress that enough. It's huge. It's so important. And, And when you look at the, the, the global space of nonprofits and how many are out there trying to do things for wildlife, there's definitely some out there that are, you know, we don't align with, um, preservationist groups and, but there are some strong hunting right. organizations out there that I I think that smaller groups like ours could really learn from and, and look at what they've done in the past and how they've gotten to the point they are. And, um, you know, having good allies and all those, like I've, I've developed friendships and relationships over the last 10 years that I would have never had had I not been, you know, in this, in this kind of role as the chief volunteer of the foundation. And, and I, I, I cherish those because I've learned more from those people than I, I could ever give back to them. And we need to all be that way because like, man, everything's under attack. We're under attack as a society of hunters. Um, whether you are just a squirrel hunter or you are a big game hunter that hunts. Don't you say just, just a squirrel hunter. <laughs> Sorry. There I go. That's there I go. I've never squirrel yeah, hunted. See, you so pigeonhole. I did. I did. Yeah. I, we're all hunters. Like you said, we all, 
we all have this desire and this something deep inside of us that brings us outside to to pursue something and and you know it's just it does us no good by infighting it it's it's something that i get so frustrated about because you know it as well as i do and a lot of your listeners will too bear hunting has three distinct groups of people and very few people are like i'm just a bear hunter I'm either a houndsman or I'm a bait hunter or the spot and stock hunters that hate both. And I'm just like, dude, you guys, this is the worst thing in the world because I do it all. Well, I've never chased bears with the hound yet. And it's like way on my bucket list, but like I'll hunt bears any way possible. I'm not one or the other or the other. You've never hunted bears with hounds? Never have. I've done a lot of cat hunting, but I've never chased bears with hounds. Man, we gotta get we we gotta yeah. correct that issue right there. Yeah, I'll tell you what that you 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 hit a key point there. You know because from my position, you know watching uh, and that's just just from where I'm at. I look at um, uh, spot and stalk and the bait and the hounds. You know if you go to Appalachia and you say you're a bear hunter, that means that you've got a pack of hounds that yep. that are that can catch bear and you've been there and you've done that. And then, you know, bear hunter from Indiana may, they may go chase bears with, with hounds. They may go spot and stalk in Montana. They may go to Canada and sit on a bait and, uh, and, and each one tries to be, they develop their value system surrounded by their own experience. And then they aren't objective enough to take it all in and say, that's cool. This is cool. That's cool. We're all hunters. Yeah. And you, you, you said it perfectly because if you're only exposed to one way of hunting, you're, you're not as likely to be supportive of the other ways because all you know is one doesn't make you wrong. And, and it doesn't make you right either. Like you're just because you only bait hunt right. doesn't mean a spot and stock guy is less of a hunter or is, is not a strong advocate for the species in the sport that's what we got to get away from because like i see guys i'm like you you should support your houndsmen even though you don't do it because you know what one day they're you're going to need their support and you all got to be on the same page and it just frustrates me and and you see you see bear hunters as a whole fighting with amongst each other and that is just so frustrating oh, when yeah. i'm like dude you guys there's way bigger fish to fry than how you hunt versus the other guy and we're all trying to we're all trying to justify what we do yep. and justification um, is a really poor choice of words because we shouldn't have to justify anything we do. Uh, the, the North American model for wildlife conservation is clear. And, and, but, you know, as a houndsman, when I see, a, a, say, say a, a bait hunter, a bait side hunter that is talking about, uh, the the cheapness or the devaluing the the use of hounds or or maybe they've got a moral conflict with the hounds. My first reaction always is, you know, I don't have to wipe the 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 whipped cream or the the cream filling off my bear's face before I take a picture of it. You yeah. know, um, and w- that's that's a natural thing that we all do, but we've got to find that common thread that we are all hunters and we. We all enjoy that when you get down to the core principles, the guiding principles of hunting, we're all on the same page. 
Yep, it's it's very true. And, you know, we're starting to see some expansion of, of opportunity. You know, you see what they did in Montana, and I never thought yep. I'd see the day. I, I honestly didn't. I, I didn't either, man. I was born and raised there, and I never thought I'd see the day. And I talked to a lot of guys yep. that grew up hunting in that state that are, you know, just by by legal reasons could only spot and stock hunt or spot and stock guys, I guess you'd call them. And I got into a big debate with a woman in a, a bar in Montana and we were there and we were lion hunting and it shifted to hounds and bears and it wasn't an argument. It was a debate uh, about the validity of using hounds to hunt bears and her thing was, you know, spot and stalk, spot and stalk, spot and stalk. That's a huge tradition in Montana. I don't discount. I don't discount the value of the ability to spot and stalk bears. It's a it's a craft. It's a, it's something that that uh, it's it's uh, one of those things. that's not easy, but don't devalue what I'm doing with hounds and saying that that because I'm using hounds that it is, that it's easy. You know, it takes years and oh of investment and time and the financial money. investment to get that hound from a puppy to the ability to be able to go out and catch a bear consistently. All I'm asking you is if you want spot and stalk bear, that's great, man. Just don't devalue what I'm trying to do with my hounds. Cause you're only took, you're only taking a small part of what we do and trying to use it for your cause. We're all on the same page. Celebrate that we're all here. Yeah, and, and honestly, all bear hunters should be happy that there's other opportunities because that brings in another advocate. So now yep. you yep. have more bear advocates and bear hunting advocates because there's another opportunity, you know, where you didn't have that before. And honestly, I always tell people, it, just because you don't like it, if, you, if you're adamantly against it but have never done it, then shame on you. You need to take it upon yourself to find someone that can show you what it is and, and do it once. And then you can maybe have an opinion on whether you like it or not, but you have to understand that it's still hunting. And it's like bait hunters, bait hunters get a lot of crap because all oh, you throw out some donuts and whatever, and, and houndsmen are the same thing. Oh, that's, you know, whatever. I'm like, no, go do it. Go, go run with the houndsman. Actually, hang out with the houndsman for about a year and see what it takes to just get a bear to a tree. <laughs> it, it ain't as simple yeah. as dumping out a dog on a trail or on a, on a track. And, and the same with bait hunting. Hang out That's with right. a bait hunter for a year and see what they go through. It, it's not that simple. And, you know, I'm, I'm a spot and stock guy. I love bait hunting, and I will love hound hunting when I do it. But, like, each one has their own merits, and if a state and the scientists in the state deem that that is a merit that we want to use to manage numbers, like let let that play out and happen because there's people a lot smarter than uh, all of us out there making those decisions. Sometimes they're not. But I looked at what they did in Montana, and I thought it was a good compromise. Like, yes, spot and stock hunting is this old tradition in Montana, but that doesn't mean mm -hmm. we can't start a new one with hound hunting there. And right. there was a lot of areas in that state that houndsmen could not run dogs on bears. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. There still are. Spot and stock guys got all these areas that they can hunt where no yep. hounds will be. And then there's areas right. where you can still hunt and there might be hounds. So I was like, right. that's a pretty good compromise, I think, as far as like taking care of both 
um, user groups and, and still having a good experience being out in the hills. And I'm like, now you're going to sell more bear tags. You're going to have people coming in the state, spending more money. We have a lot of bears in that state. I'm like, I'm not worried about the risk of numbers. A lot of houndsmen I know don't even kill bears when they get them in a tree. It's all about the experience right. of running their dogs and they're killing mature a mature adult that they're not just shooting every bear out of a tree they have the ability to turn them off now spot and stock hunting, I've, I've walked you don't have that go ahead you you got a lot of bears getting killed spot and stock hunting that are sub adults because it takes a high level of a spot and stock hunter that can look at a bear through a scope at 800 a thousand yards half a mile whatever it is and make a true evaluation of what that bear actually is. And I don't care if you've bears grow when you get close to them, you know, they're the biggest bear in the woods. You, you kind of lose that focus. Um, so when you're, when you're hunting with a hound, then I've, I've walked to multiple bear trees and I'm, I don't even know how many bears I've actually seen taken, but I can tell you that, I would say it's probably 10 to 1 of the bears that I've walked away from and left in a tree and just walked back to the truck. It's got to be it's got to be at least 10 to 1. And and it so it's not a deal where uh you know pulling the trigger on the bear is always the end result. It, a lot of times it's it's I'm looking at the dog work and how this individual dog participated in the hunt. And I'm evaluating my work as a houndsman to find out how I need to improve my pack of hounds and things like that. But before we get off this subject, I had a, I, I, I did think about an example, you know, when we're talking about bait hunters, spot and stalk and houndsmen, you know, the United States military is divided up into very specific roles and it only works if we all know what those roles are, and we use them all collectively for the common good of what our what our country is all about. You know, you've got the Air Force, you've got the Navy, you've got the Marines, you've got the Army, and each one specifically fills that role to be able to accomplish the greater good, and that is what we do in America. So if we can if we could take that concept and apply it to bear hunting. You need the, the spot and stalk. You need the bait sitter. You need the houndsman. And we all recognize that we're all adding value to this whole thing. And we can all bring it together and fight together. That's the beauty of, you know, the combi com combined arms support of the United States military. Is there's a system there where we all bring that force together to bear on the enemies of our freedoms. It's, it's a perfect example of what we need to do as bear hunters. Boy, that is an awesome analogy because when you think about it, if you think of the three armed forces of bear hunters and how strong we all could be under one banner and what we could do to, to defend our freedoms, you know, that's one of the founding principles of our foundation was to unite all bear hunters under one umbrella and and that's what we have to do and and that's the probably one of the bigger challenges that we have especially in the west and i learned that that is a big challenge on the eastern seaboard as well <laughs> uh you're you're exactly right. wow that was a eye-opener for me um I, I had no idea there was that much division and 
Um, you know, I think we're getting better out here because we're starting to see some opportunities like Montana where it's like, yeah, the first year or two is going to be tough and some guys are going to have issues. But I think by and large, that is just going to show a bunch of um, maybe spot stock guys like, look, these houndsmen aren't so bad. This isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing. I'm not. Yeah. Doing, I, I know a bunch of guys that killed bears. I was like, you guys see any hounds? Not a single one. Didn't even hear a dog. I'm that's like, right. oh, so, yep. shit, you know, that's not even a big cool. deal. And so that's a win, man. Yeah, that's a great thing. And I, I look at it as an example of what other states can be doing. Like, yeah, are there areas where baiting will not work? Amen, there is. Is there areas where hounds won't work? Yes. Is there areas where you Absolutely. can't spot and stock hunt because it's so thick and so much timber? I'm like, those are perfect areas for bait or hounds. So we have that out there. It's a big country. We've got a lot of damn bears, and I think we're all going to be fine if we just, you know, each of us can have our own way, or maybe you do both ways. Like, if I could have hounds here and run bears, I'd hunt all three because I love it, you know. And I think there's a lot of us out there that would, and, and we just need to, to work with each other. And like you said, create that armed forces of three different specific user groups that are all aligned under one umbrella, and, and I don't think you anyone could stop us. You got it. Hey, let's uh, let's transition. We've got a big event coming up for the American Bear Foundation, and you have the the foundation has facilitated an event where all three user groups can come together and unite under one banner, and that's happening in Cody, Wyoming, for the American Foundation annual banquet. And I'm just going to put the ball in your court. And you use this time as a sales pitch of why a bear hunter needs to go to. I, I can't think of any place else I'd rather be than Cody, Wyoming. It's it's an awesome town. There's a rodeo every night. They drink Coors beer. You know, it's it's cool. Yeah, and I know that doesn't play well with you as a as a beer manufacturer, not handling Coors and Miller. But yeah, it's yeah. good. It, the, the town's amazing. Um, unfortunately, it's in the winter where it, it could be 50 degrees or That's 20 only- below. But uh, that's what I'm thinking. I've made plans and I'm like, man, it might be 20 below in Cody. Unfortunately, like the only time to do these things is when people can attend and there's not a lot going on in January. So we picked the winner. We did one last year and, and I'd been reluctant to do one for a long time. I was just like, banquets are overplayed. Like it's just the same thing. I'd, I'd been a ducks unlimited board board member and ran ducks unlimited here in Cody for a long time and, and been to a lot of banquets and I like to go support them. But, um, I kind of thought we needed to do something different and actually a good friend of mine, uh, Jaden Bales, who he works for Wyoming wildlife federation. He pestered me for about a year to like, let's do one together. Let's do one together. I said, if you help me, I'll do one. And so we put one together last year and just didn't know what to expect, but we wanted it to be different. Like, yeah, we wanted to have food, We wanted to have auction items, but we also wanted it to be like the funnest banquet you ever went to. And so I will say that we're going for that. Like it is super laid back. Like it's not stuffy. There's like every last year was so crazy to me. The age group of people was so spread out and we had a lot of, which was really what I thought was really cool is we had a lot of younger people in their twenties and early thirties, which I think is so important because those are the next people that are going to have to step up for us. And then we had 
we had guys from all over the West. We had people that came from the East and there was bear hunters that used bait. There was spot and stock guys. There was guys that don't even bear hunt that want to do it. We had some seminars before where we talked about like, you know, I think a couple of, we had uh, someone from meat eater came. We had uh, Dan Thompson with the unit or the department of, or geez, the Wyoming game and fish department. He'll kill me if I screw that up. He came and did a talk on <laughs> what they're doing with grizzly bears in the state. And I was like, just super informative. And then the banquet hit and there was like, we didn't have a ton of live auction items. Cause that can sometimes drag on and not everyone can play, you know, those turned into a big, yeah. you know, show your ass who's got the most money contest. So we didn't want to do that. We just, we just wanted to have a fun event and we ended up raising a bunch of money. And, and the next day we wrote a check to the university of Wyoming with uh, a large portion of that money to continue our black bear research and, and the work they're doing. And so it was really cool. Like we don't do a lot of big fundraisers each year. So that one's going to be a big one. We sold out of the event. We were turning people away at the door. Um, which was brutal. I was like, just come in. You just can't eat. Like, we don't have any seats for you. Come in, drink some right. beer, whiskey, whatever, play some games, you know, have fun, inter, you know, interact and meet other people. And, and so it was really cool to just have like, to see the, the, the turnout for an event that was like basically solely dedicated to bears and bear hunting. Um, I, I got some big plans down the road for, for scaling this up to other areas. And, you know, we're in the beginning stages, but this second one is going to be big. We're already working on some great donations. we got some great sponsors on board already. Um, we'll have a bunch of guns there to give away and, and a bunch of drink and food and, and some amazing people. There'll be, there'll be everyone from outfitters to, um, you know, guides to people that have never bear hunted and, it's just fun. You know, a bunch of kiddos there. We do a bunch of kiddo giveaways and, you know, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. We'll be giving away uh, some lifetime conservation stamps for the state of Wyoming for kids. And we just tried to have something that was like an event people would want to come to, but want to come to because of the cause. You need to, you need to set it up so that you give some of those stamps away to 50 year old guys. Some non-residents. They're actually good. <laughs> They're, they're actually going to get less investment out of us, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be that, that huge. <laughs> You're not going <laughs> give to use it, to a kid. it for many more they're, years. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got a, I got an expiration date on that dude. That's, that's where it's at. Give them away those 50 year olds. We got the money anyway. Some of us do. Yeah. I'm working uh, on, not uh, me, but I'm working on a hunt right now. That would be a spot and stock hunt in Montana which I think it'd be really cool. Cause there's a lot of people that have never tried that. And, uh, that's a, that's a fun hunt see a lot of bears. So I'm working on putting together some, we had some fishing trips we did last year. We had an Africa hunt. We had a lot of different things. Um, and, uh, we usually have a really good, so last year, Robbie Kroger from blood origins came out and talked to us for, we don't have like a two hour presentation. He, he just came out and gave a really good talk on, you know, what it's like growing up outside of this country and then coming here and how lucky we are as sportsmen to have what we have and, and how we need to fight to keep that. And we, we, we haven't quite, we got some ideas for our guest speaker this year and we haven't quite penciled it in yet, but we'll, we'll have someone cool. And um, yeah, I just like, to me, it's just one of the things I've looked forward to the most this year is like seeing all my friends that I haven't seen for a long time, meeting new people, like, doing this in the modern world, like you could be super close to people that you never meet. I'm, I've never met you. And I feel like we're really close. And there's people like that, that 
can come out to things like this and you can, you can finally put a face uh, to a name and meet someone and uh, it, it'll be fun. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's January 28th. It's a Saturday in, in Cody, Wyoming and um, tickets are online. Um, I'm going to screw this up, but we might have to put it in later, but I don't have the link right in front of me to, to tell it. I'll tell you what you send me, you send me the link and I'll put it in the show notes for this episode. And, uh, but yeah, let's, let's just run through how people find out about how they can attend the event. Yeah. So we're gonna, um, so if you go to, so Wyoming wildlife Federation right now is selling all the tickets online. So we kind of, we split it up and they do that for us. Um, so you can go to Wyoming wildlife Federation, um, on their website and you can buy tickets and we have the same price for tickets as last year up until December 31st. So if you get your tickets now, yep. they'll be cheaper than if you wait until uh, January. Nice. Nice. Yeah, and so we're selling and individuals, and then we're selling banquet tables. So a banquet table's got 12 people on it. Um, that is 500 bucks, I believe. And so for 12 people for 500 bucks, then we give you some free raffle tickets and stuff. And to be honest, we've already sold quite a few banquet tables. Um, I, I suspect we're going to sell out before the end of the year. Um, we'll be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Houndsman XP is going to, I, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to buy a table for the, uh, the American bear foundation. So we're going to be there for you. I hope we didn't hit another glitch. But hey, we've been running an hour and eleven minutes, and I'm just going to wrap me? it up right here. Yeah, I got you now, Joe. Okay, yeah, I was I'm just so going to wrap it up. So excited you guys are coming out. I mean, that's going to be huge, and there'll be a bunch of houndsmen at this this thing. More cat hunters, but you'll have a bunch of them at it. Hey, we love cat hunters. We're just Heck talking yeah. about bears today, but but uh, yeah, I'm I'm actually planning. I've got to be at the shot show the week prior. I'm going to meet with some lion hunters, maybe try to take in a day or two of, of lion hunting. And then, man, I'm in Cody for the American Bear Foundation banquet. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Heck yeah, Sounds man. Like That's a great so cool. Time. It'll be fun. You'll enjoy. Yeah. Yep. Well, Joe, uh, man, I take I, I really appreciate you taking the time to to do the episode with us and, and have this conversation and people can find information on how to join the American Bear Foundation at AmericanBearFoundation.org. We'll put the link in the show notes. You can get banquet information there. And, uh, yeah, so what if it's cold in Wyoming in January? Go out and, and support a great organization. You can come out and ice fish, look for lion tracks and chase lions around, coyote hunt, bird hunt hang out with me. You, there's a lot to do still. So yeah, Cody's just a cool town anyway. Um, it's been years since I've been there, but last time I was there, I just fell in love with it. And, uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time, Joe. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys, man. I really appreciate you having me on. You bet, man. All right, Joe, I know you're not, we're going to remedy this whole hound hunting deficit in your life too. Thank you. We're going to talk about that. Off, <laughs> we're going to talk about that off air and make some arrangements and get you locked in on a hound hunt. Heck yeah. But uh, until then, until then, make sure if you're, you know, you're, you're working on your hounds and don't forget to work on yourself. <laughs>